Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. I'm so truly honored to be able to do this on today and to share with you what I believe God is sharing for our house on today. I'm excited about where we're going and what God is doing. And so before we even get into anything on today, I want to make sure we take a few minutes to thank God for our pastors. Can you just, come on, can we just lift it up a little bit? They're not here. They're celebrating their anniversary, but they'll get a chance to view this. Come on and just show them how much you love them and how much you appreciate them. They are truly a man and woman after God's own heart. And we just honor them on today. Amen. If they are resting, because rest is a weapon. Come on, somebody. Rest is a weapon. And I appreciate the fact that we have pastors that know how to go and have fun and rest their physical bodies. Come on, somebody. I've been in ministry a long, long, long time. And sometimes, you know, people wouldn't rest their bodies until the Lord took them home. Yes, and so the fact that they know how to go and have a vacation and have a good time with themselves, come on, and just be able to have some fun is something to be commended. So we thank God for our pastors on today. I honor my husband on today, amen, the head of our house, amen. Hallelujah, he's the man that you see running around here helping and serving. He is truly a servant's heart, and so I thank God for him. Thank God for my little miracle, Andre's as we call him buddy. He's like, yeah, I'm talking about you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I tell you, I, I, I love the atmosphere of worship. You know that. I love the atmosphere of praise. And when the team was up here earlier, they were really breaking into some things. Okay. They were really shifting us into a place and we're going to go there on today if that's okay. Are you ready? You know, life, life is a great teacher. A life is a great teacher, and life is full of wisdom if we really take advantage of it. But sometimes we don't take advantage of what is going on. If we would cooperate with life, we could get some real good treasures out of it, okay? Life will cultivate within us more than we even understand sometimes, and even more than what we think is even possible. Some of what that wisdom is found actually in unexpected pathways of life, especially pathways that cause you to pivot. Last week, I heard pastors say suddenly, he was talking about the Holy Spirit, and he said suddenly. And we get excited about suddenly, but we don't realize that suddenlies are actually pivots. When God says suddenly, he is causing us to pivot and causing us to do something different. This is the year of cultivation at All Nations Aurora. It was a prophetic word that was released over this house. How many people remember that prophetic word? And it included four pillars. It was character, Christianity, community, and consistency. And then pastor went on and gave us an analogy of a farmer who was actually planting. How many people remember that? Planting and tilling soil and going back over the soil and making sure that the seed was being perfected. And because most of us are from the city and not from the country, we really couldn't get with that. We really did not understand the analogy of going back over a word once it has been planted. But that farmer plants something and then he came back and he removed the weeds and he would even replant it if it was needed and necessary. The goal of cultivation, listen, is to have an outcome according to God. 
God's standards are different than our standards. So, you know, there's a buzzword out there. Everybody's talking about pivot. I got to pivot. I got to shift and I got to pivot. You know, the pandemic caused us all to pivot. It caused us all to shift. We didn't want to, but we had to pivot. People were pivoting and they never wanted to pivot. Everybody had to pivot. Whether you believed that in COVID or not, or whether you believed in masking, you had to pivot. It was a pivot. And that became a buzzword. Everybody's pivoting. Everybody's pivoting. And so let's lay some definitions before we get into this, because pivot means to completely change the way in which someone does something. So you completely change how you are doing something. And then you have the ability to reassess or to reevaluate a different way of doing it. And this is the key part. Then you do that. You apply it. So pivoting is the ability to turn to assess that that situation is not working or to have a reevaluation of the situation and apply that new formula to it. Mm, it's more than just saying I'm pivoting. It's more than just saying I'm shifting. It really requires a mindset. It really requires a mental stability. You have to have pivot thinking, which is the ability to reframe a problem and move in a new direction. If you are a sports Enthusiast, how many people enjoy basketball? When you hear the word pivot, you begin to think about what? Pivot forward and pivot backwards. Exactly, all the men raise their hand. And you understand pivoting from a standpoint of that the player has to plant one foot on the foundation. Come on, that'll preach if you really listen to it. And pivot on the ball of that foot while the other foot is going forward or backwards while dribbling the ball. But this is the part that blessed me because I'm a preacher is because they have to pivot their body on one foot while they are dribbling the ball. But this is the key part. They have to always keep their head up looking forward. Life will cause us to pivot, shift forward and backwards. Be you're on one foot, not quite sure of your footing, but in all things, you have to keep your head forward looking to Christ. Because if you look down, you'll lose your balance, right? Mm -hmm. But pivoting is challenging for Christians, if we can be honest. Come on. That's why the men raise their hand. They understood pivoting. But pivoting can be challenging for us as Christians. I love the church. I've been a part of the company over 49 years now. And that's what my bishop would say. And I remember many phases that the church has gone through, especially when it causes us to pivot and especially when it comes to technology. I'm about to date myself. But if you remember, if you're in the room and you remember, just put your hand up. How many people remember when the microwave came out? Oh, yes, it was the devil, wasn't it? Don't stand too close to it. Don't put your food in it because it was the devil. Remember that? Especially us Pentecostal saints, it was the devil. You put your food in the microwave and you turn into the beast. You remember that? How many people remember when the cell phone came out? It was a big old brick that we carried around, but it was a, you know, you remember that with the antenna you pulled out? Come on, big brick. You don't put it to your head because that's the devil. It's going to cause your brain to go crazy. There's people going to start talking to you. Do you remember that? And it was difficult for us as believers to shift and to pivot because of our mindsets. And so I, I share that with you because God is always about changing. 
He's always about us moving and shifting. And even as I prepare for this, the Lord began to ask me different questions to ask you for note takers. What if what we call pivot was actually us getting in alignment with God's plan for our lives? What if we felt like the pivot was something that was big to God, but it was actually God redirecting his purpose, his plan for our lives that we had just gotten out of alignment. We have gotten out of God's perfect will and God's perfect plan. Let's look at our scripture for today. Our new sermon series that we're introducing is Pivot Points, Embracing God's Unexpected Pathways. Pivot Points, Embracing God's Unexpected Pathways. Because there's no way you can live this life as a believer and expect that you always gonna know what God's doing. That's the problem. We think we know what God is doing all the time. Let me get into my scripture. Let's go to Genesis 12, 1 through 5 in the ESV version. And calm myself down. Take my time. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. My topic for today is the purpose of the unknown zone. The purpose of the unknown zone. Father, we thank you for your word on today, your word that brings life, God, in this place. We ask that you would just dwell amongst us, even for the next few minutes, to illuminate what you have for your men and your women of God to hear on today. Father, we thank you uh, that, that lives will be changed. Holy Spirit, you are indeed welcome, and we welcome you in the midst of what is happening as we transform lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Yeah, you can say amen. Come on. One of the most crippling things we can do, believers, is to believe that we know how God moves and we know how God wants to grow us up in certain aspects of our lives. We must be careful, very careful, not to assume that we know God's plans and we know his strategies for our lives, because at any moment, God can pivot us to a place of purpose without us asking him. As Christians, sometimes we get arrogant in our uh, alignment with God to the point that we believe that he will always let us know when he's about to pivot us, like he's going to send us an email or a text message and say, I'm about to pivot you. But he does not have to do that. He does not have to have our permission to make adjustments in our pathways. 
the longer you have been in a relationship with someone, sometimes you settle in and you get a little comfortable, right? You know the rhythm of the relationship. You know the little nuances of the relationship and of that person. But be careful not to become so familiar in your relationship with God that you put him in a box. And sometimes we put God in a box and he's the creator of the box. Sometimes we try to tell him how we should uh, uh, govern our lives when he really is the governor of our lives. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. He has the plan. He has the blueprint. And we have to be reminded that he has ordain some things to come to pass in our lives before the foundation of the world. Before you were even in your mother's womb, he knew that there were some things that you had to carry out and some places that he had to take you and some people he needed to connect you to. And sometimes he's got to pivot us back to the point of those places and relationships. Can I just talk for a few seconds about the sovereignty of God? Because we don't talk about the sovereignty of God anymore. We talk about God's love and he is a loving God. And we talk about his faithfulness. And indeed, he is a faithful God. We talk about the grace of God. And yes, he is a God of grace, but we don't talk about his sovereignty. Sovereignty is one of those old school terms that we used to talk about, you know, in the old church, so to speak. So for a few seconds, can I just talk about the sovereignty of God? Can I, can I talk about the sovereignty of God? The Sovereignty of God is holy, first of all. It's a term that we don't use much because we don't understand that sovereignty is a governmental term. It means authority and it means rulership. Authority and rulership. Just put that in your notes. Authority and rulership. When you look at sovereignty, basically, God has the right to exercise his ruling power over his creation. He has the right to exercise his ruling power over his creation. And we are his creation, right? He's so sovereign that he can do whatever he wants to do, how he wants to do it, when he wants to do it, and he don't have to ask us a thing. I know that's a little uncomfortable because we are people that like to plan our own lives. I'm a planner. How many planners are out there? You know, I have 90 day goals and uh, six month goals and five year plan. I'm a planner. But at the end of the day, I do my planning and I've learned to give my plans to God. And sit right there, let him tell me what to do. See, the sovereignty of God is something we don't want to talk about much anymore because it means that God has the right and the authority and I'm thankful for his sovereignty. I just have to thank God a second for his sovereignty because there were things in my life that I wanted to do, but because of his sovereignty, it did not happen. There were people I wanted to be connected to, but because of his sovereignty, it did not happen. There were relationships and deals and places that I wanted to be in, but because of his sovereignty, it did not happen. That's why I'm grateful for the sovereignty of God, because when I'm cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, he will turn the situation around and get me out. So I'm grateful for his sovereignty because at the end of the day, as smart as I am, as with many degrees that I have, I am not in control of my life. And God's sovereignty is the thing that keeps me. 
not my education. It's not my connections. It's not who I think I am. It's not who I think I'm connected to. It is God's sovereignty. He closes a door and opens another door when he's ready. He connects and disconnects relationships when he is ready. It is God's sovereignty that keeps you. Because he is a powerful God and he governs and rules our lives when we allow him to. Yes, his sovereignty, his sovereignty. I get all excited when I think about his sovereignty because it kept me from some pitfalls and some schemes and some mishaps. There were some people I wanted to marry, but he said, no, this is the, come on, y'all won't go here with me this morning. This was the sovereign will of God for me to disconnect this relationship, but this is who I wanted to be with. And God said, this is not the sovereign will. This is not my plan for your life. I need to pivot you because you're crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. Let me continue with my lesson on today. I know we have choices, but I'm thankful for his sovereignty. I know that we have gifts, but I'm thankful for his sovereignty. I wish I had somebody say, I'm grateful for his sovereignty. Yes, I'm grateful for his sovereignty because I know that if I keep trying to do it myself, I will mess it up. I'm not that smart. I'm not that bright. I'm not that gifted. I'm not that creative. He is. Okay, let me get back to my notes. Hallelujah. Amen. But the, see, that's why I just had to go there for a second because in, in, in understanding this whole thing about pathways, somewhere along the line, we have made you feel in church that you are in control. So that's why it's uncomfortable when he starts pivoting us because we really think we're driving. You just own the bus. He's the driver. You just own the bus. You should be on the bus just eating some popcorn, chilling. But no, you're trying to drive the bus and the driver of the bus who is God keeps saying, I need you to sit down because I'm sovereign and I got this. You're like, no, 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 no. I need you to turn right. He's like, no, I need you to sit down and eat that popcorn. I need you to go somewhere and just relax. That's why we stressed out because we realize that we don't realize that he's sovereign. So we're trying to do our job and his job. We're trying to be in the seat and in the front row seat. We're trying to drive from the passenger seat. Ooh, I'm, I'm preaching good up in here. And if you keep moving from your seat to the driver's seat, somebody going to get hurt. Something's going to go off. Come on. And the driver of the bus, the almighty God keeps saying, sit down. I got this. Go eat your popcorn. Go chill. And what you keep saying? No, God, I got to tell you something, something. Many of you probably haven't been on a bus for some years. But let me tell you something. There's a law when you're on a bus that when the driver is driving the bus, moving the bus, Everybody has to be in their seat. So there's a strong possibility that your destiny, your purpose is delayed because God is waiting for you to get back in your seat. You're too busy trying to get up and tell him what to do. And you're like, God, why aren't we going anywhere? And he's like, I need you to sit in your seat, eat that popcorn. Everybody want popcorn now, don't you? He says, I need you to get back in your seat so that I can keep moving the bus forward. I can't drive the bus 
if you're standing up in my ear trying to tell me what to do. I can't move you forward if you are trying to give me your opinion and not listen to my instructions. Let's continue with our lesson on today. One of the most misquoted scriptures is Malachi 3 and 6, where God says, I am God and I change not. We have mistaken this to mean that God would not change. And what he and what he will always do remains the same every time. So we feel like because of this scripture, God is going to do it the same way that he did it before, like he did for me in 1972. No, he's not. That scripture means that his character does not change. His methods change, but his character does not change. And we've already established that one of his characteristics that we have forgotten about is his sovereignty. Doesn't change. He's still trying to drive the bus. He wants us to eat some popcorn. So now we see there's a conversation with a sovereign God, an all-knowing God, having a conversation with a regular man called Abram. Abram is just chilling. We see it in Genesis 12 as we look at this particular passage of scripture. Genesis 12 is actually the most critical and crucial chapter in the book of Genesis because it is a pivot. It is where Abram begins to get some instructions from God about the next part of his life and what God wants to do through him. Just the ordinary conversation. Abram, he's 75. Him and Sarah are just chilling. They got their money. They're in their father's house. They got some possessions. They don't have any children. But for the most part, he got the good life going. And then he has this conversation with God. It's like how it happens with us. God starts talking to us and having these conversations with us. He starts giving us a little glimpse of where he's taking us. He starts talking to us about our purpose and destiny. All while we're just sitting here having a relaxing moment. Him and his wife were just doing their thing. They were just ordinary people. And what I love is that we look at Genesis 1. It says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country. It was a call from something. And it was a call to something. It was a call from something and a call to something. It was a call from his country, his family, his kinfolk, G-mind them. And it was a call from his father's house, which all represented familiarity. The first thing that God does with most of us is when he calls us, not just to call to ministry, but to call a call to purpose, a call to the next steps in your life. He calls you from a place of comfort. All these things represent the comfort zone. And, it's, and we like to stay in the comfort zone because it's familiar. It feels good. It's our tribe. You know, we know the language of our people in our community. It feels perfect, right? It feels convenient. And God will disrupt what is convenient and comfortable. And he will say, I need you to go. Please understand, there was nothing wrong with his people. There was nothing wrong with where he was at. There was nothing wrong with his kindred. But God was like, I need to pivot you to purpose. I got some more things for you. So sometimes we think the pivot is because there's something wrong with where we are. There's something wrong with the people. The people are toxic. No, it's just the pivot point. It's just the pivot point. So God starts telling Abram, I need you to go. 
Get away from what is comfortable. And we are all creatures of comfort. Come on, we all like to be in a place where, come on, let's just be real. You know, we, we got our seats. Some of y'all sit on this side of the sanctuary, you know. Some of y'all sit on this side of the sanctuary. My baby has to sit right here in his seat because, you know, that's his seat. Everybody has a place where they like to sit. It's our comfort zone. What if pastor comes in and say, I want everybody on this side of the sanctuary to go sit on this side of the sanctuary. I want the people in the middle to go, like, oh, man, why, 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 I don't want to sit over there. It's cold over there. I don't want to sit over there. I can't see. I got to sit by the bathroom. You know, my bladder, I got. It's called pivot. When God starts pulling us up out of our comfort zone, if you got a bladder issue, it's okay. We're going to pray and believe God for you. It's okay. You got to run on out and just run on out. But sometimes we don't want to leave our place of comfort because it's just that it's comfortable. What I love about this is that there was a call from something and a call to something. In verse number one, we see the command to go. And in verse four, we see the obedience to go. Abram heard what God said and he didn't debate. He just went. Hmm. How many times have God told you to move and do something and you've come back with a clap back? You come back with more conversation. You come back with, I need more clarity, Jesus. Can I need a, I need a sign and a wonder. Can I get a prophetic word? Can I get another prophetic word? Can I get one more prophetic word? Can I get three prophetic words? Can I get a prophetic word on Tuesday night at 6 p.m.? I need somebody to call me at 6 p.m. on Tuesday and then I will know that it is you, Lord. No, I want the woman on the bus to tell me that it is you. I want her to open up her mouth and say, this is what I need you to do. I want you to open up the cloud and say, yes, this is the word of the Lord for you. How many times do we do that? How many times do we do that? And God is just saying, I need you to go and be obedient like Abraham and went. He would, he, and the thing about it, see, this is when we read this, we read this from like a nursery rhyme sometimes, you know. Come on. This is how I read this. Abram had a conversation with God. The Lord told him, I need you to grab your wife, get Lot, his wife, and all, all your possessions, your cattle, your children, a few people here, and I need you all to go. But I'm not going to tell you where you're going. I'm going to show you. But you need to go. This is how I interpret that. Abram went home and said, Sarah, I had a conversation with the Lord. And the Lord says, we're packing up. We're going. Sarah's like, we're going where? We're doing what? With who? I don't even like Lot and his wife. And the, the Lord, you sure it was the Lord, Abram? Because I don't even like her. Last time she came to the picnic, she didn't bring no food. She brought her little snide those kids over here. They ate up all the potato salad and all the chicken wings. I'm not going nowhere with them. I don't care what God told That's the conversation I believe that happened. She was like, okay, where are we going? Are we going somewhere warm? Do I need to pack my swimsuit or do I need to grab my fur coat? Where we? The Lord said he's going to show us where we're going, Sarah. She's like, oh, yeah, right, dude. And you think I'm going with you? I believe that was in the conversation somewhere. I'm just saying, you know, I believe that there were some conversations going on. But nonetheless, we see that with, with a quickness, Abram was able to grab his people and they moved in obedience. Because sometimes, you know, we are like, you know, we like people like, where are we going, God? Don't act like you don't ask God. How am I going to do it? How am I going to start the business? How am I going to write the book? How am I going to step out into this new job? What is the unknown zone? We're all, we've all been there. So the unknown zone is a place of uncertainty. 
It's a place of unfamiliarity. And if we can be honest, the unknown zone is uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a place of ambiguity. It's like everything is blurry. I don't know about you, but I personally do not like driving in fog. I can drive in the, in the, in the rain. I'm not driving in snow. Don't really care for it. But the fog, I don't play with the fog. And out where we live, the fog is dense. You can't see anything. It's like a white puff. And you got to know that you're on the road. I, I'm like, I know. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to stay at home. I don't, I don't get that. And stepping into the unknown zone feels like that. You step into a place that is brand new, it's uncomfortable, new job, new opportunity, new relationship, maybe a new church, maybe you're starting a new business, and it feels uncomfortable. This is a suddenly. So, you know, I've been in, in ministry a long time, so when the prophetic word goes forth and I hear people say, and suddenly God's going to do, and I'll be like, mm-hmm. Y'all need to let them know what that suddenly means. And suddenly God's going to change your situation around. And in three days, and I'm not saying anything is the prophetic word, because we be like, yes, I receive it, I receive it. And I'll be like, y'all need to tell them what that suddenly means. That suddenly means their life about to get jacked up. Y'all need to pick them up off the floor and let them know, hey, babe, you may want to get back down because that means God about to do some crazy things in your life. Suddenly, yeah, suddenly. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Cultivate, cultivate, cultivate. So while we, you know, you're excited about that prophetic word, God is saying, I'm going to do something radical in your life. I'm going to cause you to go into a space and a place where everybody doesn't know your name, where you're not celebrated where you may be the only person that looks like you at the table. Can you sit at those tables? Or are you more comfortable when everybody looks like you? So the unknown zone is uncomfortable. But remember this. So we have the, the comfort zone, okay? We have the unknown zone, and then we have the purpose zone. We don't know that the purpose zone is there because we're too busy upset that the, the Lord has pushed us out of our comfort zone. But right in the middle of the comfort zone is what I call the unknown zone of life. And if you've never been there, you will be there very soon. All of us have been there. I'm in there. I'm right now in a pivot. And the Lord has me in the unknown zone. And so I have to go back and remind myself that in the unknown zone is where God cultivates me. In the unknown zone is where God deals with my character. In the unknown zone is where God begins to uh, uh, increase my creativity because I'm in a place where I don't know what to do, but I have to only depend on the driver. And every now and then he puts us in the unknown zone to remind us of his sovereignty. Because sometimes we think it's all about us. Yes, anybody in the unknown zone? If you're in a part of life, if you're growing and evolving, you're going to be in the unknown zone. If you're growing and evolving in your, your, your career, you're going to be in the unknown zone. But let me tell you this about the unknown zone. What is the purpose of the unknown zone? The purpose of the unknown zone is to get you to the purpose, the purpose zone. But check this out. In order to get to the purpose zone, you got to pass the test in the unknown zone. So the unknown zone is a prerequisite 
for purpose. Oh, that's good right there. What happens in the unknown zone sets you up for success in purpose. I know we want to go from the comfort zone to purpose because that's what we want to do, right? It feels good. Why can't God just take me out of my comfort zone and just stow me into purpose? Because we're not ready. We have to be processed. There's some things that have to happen on the inside of us in the unknown zone. Let me tell you, the unknown zone is a qualifier for purpose. Sometimes we try to get to a place too soon and we're not ready. We haven't been processed. We haven't been uh, gone through enough healing yet. We don't, we don't know enough yet. We want to get there too soon. It's like putting a child in the driver's seat of a car and they haven't grown up yet. They're not mature enough. Why would God give that to us if we're not processed yet? I know the unknown zone is uncomfortable, but what causes us to hold on to the comfort zone? So if we know that the comfort zone is here, the unknown zone is here, the purpose zone is here, what causes us to stay in the comfort zone? It's comfortable. What causes us to stay in the comfort zone? It's a thing called fear. Oh yeah, fear. And we justify our fear with this. You know, I, I don't, we'll say stuff like, I never get the job promotion or I'm not smart enough to start my own business. I'm not smart enough to write a book. Last time I tried, it didn't work. And if we are believers, we say, I'm praying about it. Because when we say we're praying about it, who gonna touch that? It sounds deep, it sounds holy. Who am I to say? You know, you say, man of God, when are you going to start your business? Oh, yes, I'm praying about it. Well, what, what do you say after that? It kind of gets us off of you. I'm praying about it. I'm waiting on the Lord. And the Lord is waiting on you. Sometimes people say, I'm praying and I haven't heard anything. And I said, because he already gave you the instructions. He just stopped talking because he's waiting on you to do what he told you to do. I said, well, what did God tell you to do? Well, I believe God said, no, you know. What, what did he tell I believe God said for me to start this cookie business. Okay, then have you started the cookie business? No, I'm just waiting on God to tell me what to do. He told you to start the cookie business. Now you want him, you want him to tell you chocolate chip or oatmeal? or He said, I need you to go and start the business. I need you to go back to school. Well, I don't know if I want to go back to school. Did he say go? Then go. Stop saying you're praying about it. You know, back in the day, you know, when we would jump and rope, we would stand on the side and it was like, what they would call that on the side? Digging your potatoes. I don't know where we get that from, but just waiting to get inside. To, come on. Some of y'all digging y'all potatoes, just sitting on the side, waiting on the perfect time when the Spirit of the Lord said, just jump in. How long you going to wait for your turn? Everybody's had a turn. You have cheered for everybody. You have applauded everybody. It's your turn. Spirit of the Lord said, I need y'all to jump in. And for my intellectual people, I need y'all to stop doing your research. 
Because that's what the smart people say. I'm doing my research. Okay, last, you said that like three months ago. Yeah, how's that business plan going? I'm doing my research. I'm praying about it and I'm doing my research. Get up off of me. So what can we say? If you're praying about it and you're doing your research, then we have to say, okay. But stop being so spooky spiritual. Stop being so intellectual. When you know this is the thing that you dream about, you go to sleep and God is talking to you about the go. He's telling you to move. You see it. You get an attitude when you see somebody else doing it. You get upset because you're like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something different than do it. Don't let life pass you by. But let's talk about a few fear factors that keep you stagnated. Because fear is the culprit. I don't care how you dress it up. I don't care how you move it around. Fear is the culprit. I got five fear factors. Man, are you guys getting blessed? The first is fear of people. Fear of people. I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but these are people that are people pleasers. I raised my hand. I used to be the people pleaser syndrome. You know, wanted to always make sure that people uh, uh, understood what I was doing and making sure that I was doing everything right and making sure that people were co-signing. These are the people that want everybody to co-sign on what God has already told you to do. Fear of people and their applause. We can't have that. But that will keep us stagnated. What if Abram had said, I can't do this because my family situation or what is my father going to think? He would have never became great. Don't let people and your fear of what people think stop you from pivoting. Because people are always going to have something to say. Always going to have something to say. And what you have to recognize and realize is that the person that's driving the bus It's not the people. You are accountable to the person that's driving the bus, which is God. Number two, fear of failure. Fear of failure. Many people don't want to do it because they're afraid that they are going to fail. We have made failing a negative experience when actually failure is a teacher and a platform. I got two claps on that. See, we never fail. We just learn and grow. You got to reframe it. Come on with me. But if you always see something as being as a failure, you will always stop yourself. It is indeed a process. And sometimes we miss the mark, but we still learn and grow from it. One of my, my, one of my best, best uh, examples of failure is the chocolate chip cookie. Let me just tell you about the chocolate chip cookie. Yeah, let's talk about the chocolate chip cookie. How many people like chocolate chip cookie? Mm-hmm. I know, I do too, yes. Clap up for the chocolate chip cookie. The chocolate chip cookie was actually birthed and it was born out of a mistake or a failure. When she went to go make the recipe, she did not have all the ingredients that she wanted and she decided to use chips instead of cocoa. And she thought that the chips would just spread out in the cookie to make a chocolate cookie, but it did not. It ended up making a chocolate chip cookie, the best cookie ever this side of heaven, as far as I'm concerned. And so I use that as an example to remind you that what you think is a failure is not actually a failure. It's a teaching moment for you, but you don't know how God's going to use it because once again, he's driving the bus. 
And if we stop comparing ourselves to other people, then we will recognize and realize that it's not about people. But see, we compare ourselves to people, and that's why we think we have failed when actually we have become creative. That's going to bless somebody. And so the fear of failure, and even when I tell my students, you don't fail, you may not hit the mark, but we learn and grow. We learn and grow. You may not hit the mark, but we learn and grow, as opposed to you failed. And so we made that fear of failure a place that makes us uncomfortable, and we won't step out and do anything. You won't start what you're supposed to do because you're afraid of failing. Fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. We avoid new relationships because of fear of rejection. We don't want to go into new places and spaces because people don't look like us and we don't know if they will accept us and we won't go there. We stay in our tribe. We stay in our little place because we are afraid of being rejected. Nobody wants to be rejected. But don't you understand that even in this connection of people that God knows what he is doing? If we trust him, that's the hard part. Why would he move you to a place and put you in a job where you're the only Christian or believer? Well, he put you there for a reason so that you could be the light that would shine in that place so that you would connect with other believers. You don't know who else is a believer there, but obviously he has you there on assignment. Stop trying to run away from new relationships. Stop trying to run away from new people and new community. Number four is fear of the unknown. And so we're talking about the unknown zone, fear of the unknown. And what we say to the fear of the unknown is, what if it doesn't work? What if I try and it fails? When you look at people that are great, whether they're in ministry, business, education, they have been people that have tried over and over and over again, Michael Jordan, Oprah Winfrey, tried over and over again, was rejected, was told no, but kept going and kept moving and kept going and kept moving. Fear of the unknown. I would say here, how bad do you want it? Because you got to have some tenacity right there. And then my last fear is the fear of inadequacy. That's the feeling that you don't measure up that you're always feeling like I'm self-sabotaging or um, I, I, I shouldn't be at this table. The worst thing you could do is get to the table where God wants you to be and you get there and you say, I don't belong here. I'm not worthy. Yeah, you do. And I know as believers, we're like, well, that's pride. No, it's not. It's called confidence. I'm helping you. Because a lot of this stuff we've been taught really has messed us up. To the point when God opens up a door, we cannot be effective because we're so busy feeling unworthy and not realizing, realizing he put you there to be confident in him. And see, the problem is when he opens up the new opportunity, we're so busy talking about how unworthy we are. That he can't even get what he needs to get through us. But you got to show up confident like, yes, I belong in the room. I belong at this table. When I show up, the atmosphere changes. Yeah, I'm from the South Side of Chicago. Can't you tell? Yeah. <laughs> when I show up, the atmosphere changes. I love what the Lord has positioned me to do even now in academia. And it's all virtual because it's a hybrid program. But when I show up, 
I shift the atmosphere and that's not pride. That's confidence in my God because I know who I am in him and I'm on assignment to do a shift in healthcare. I'm not just there because they had nobody else to hire. I'm there because I'm shifting in healthcare. I'm making sure that healthcare disparities are brought down and that people of color, black and brown are brought into this field. I'm on assignment. You're on assignment. God has to pivot you, but you got to go in there with some boldness and stop going in there feeling like, oh, woe is me. But that fear will keep you feeling like you don't belong. Are you getting blessed? Amen. Joshua 1 and 9 says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? I love this scripture. It says, be strong and courageous. Come on, somebody. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's my scripture. Wherever I go, he's with me. Wherever he places me, he is with me. You have to remind yourself. That's why you got to talk to fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power of love and a sound mind. That is 2 Timothy 1 and 17. Let me tell you something right here. Can I park for a second? I'm almost done. When it comes to fear, it's not about having more faith. I'm about to mess with your theology. It's not, it's not faith over fear. It's love over fear. See, many of us have been fighting fear with the wrong weapon. I got to have more faith. I got to have more faith. I got to have more faith. You can have faith and still be in fear. Because right here it tells us, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. To let us know, he said nothing about faith right there. He says, I've given you power, I've given you love, and I've given you a sound mind because fear causes us to be double-minded and confused. And it causes confusion, but when we're in God's perfect love, when we understand the love of God, we understand how to deal with fear. You're looking at someone that's an overcomer of fear, not because of my faith, but because of my finally understanding and accepting the agape love of God for me. Took me a long time, but I'm here now, okay? And what I do is I try to help other people understand because for years I was fighting faith, I was fighting fear with faith. Wrong tool wrong method and the enemy was still winning oh yeah that's why we have christians that are full of faith and full of fear because we're telling them to have more faith have more faith in god we got the t-shirt faith over fear i know i'm messing with you it sounds good but it's poor theology and it doesn't work i don't know about you but i've been in this thing too long that i don't want to just have a good time i want to have some tools so when I look at the word of God, I look for tools. And if I look in the word of God, he never tells me to fight my fear with faith. He talks about his love. That'll help you right there. Because fear is real. And I want to help you get there. So God's purpose of the unknown zone. Number one, it builds character. First Peter 5 and 10 tells us, uh, but the God of all grace who has called us unto his internal, eternal glory by Christ Jesus after that we have suffered a while will make you perfect. He will establish us, strengthen you, and he will settle us. 
In the unknown zone, God is building our character. We know that all things are working together for our good, right? All things don't feel good, but he is working on our character. He wants us to understand his sovereignty and he's working on our character. Number two, in the unknown zone, he is building our creativity. Somebody say creativity. He is building our creativity. John 15 and 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide or remain. And that whatsoever you ask of the father in my name, he may give it to you. God wants to build fruit in us and he wants to build us up in our creativity. In the unknown zone, you will find new gifts. Dormant gifts will come alive in the unknown zone. You, once you face your fears, you'll be able to use your God abilities to bring glory to God. Come on, you have more locked up on the inside of you that has not been developed because of fear and because you have been trying to drive the bus and it is uncomfortable, but you have to let it go. Somebody say, let it go. This is the best time to launch a business due to the uncertainty in the in, in the economy. You know, millionaires are birthed in an economy like this. Come on. Millionaires are birthed when it is in an unknown zone. And so step out there and do it. Number three, it builds community. Somebody say community. Romans 12, four through five says just for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, we form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We are one body. We are unique and different. Your brothers and sisters on the road, help us form one body. We need community and you need new community. I need new community for where God is taking us. I got one amen. There's nothing wrong with your current community other than this. Listen, there's nothing wrong with your current community other than the fact that your current community may not be a part of God's plan for your purpose. We need purpose, friends. I know you got your friends, you got your tribe, you got your, your yeah, I got my but you need purpose, friends. And may I say this? I'm learning. Sometimes my purpose friends don't look like me. Sometimes my purpose friends don't speak in tongues. Sometimes my purpose friends are a different background. They believe differently. Sometimes my purpose friends are different in their sexuality. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I remember having a conversation with the organization that was uh, uh, looking at me to do some speaking and coaching. And the woman who was the gatekeeper, so you got to be careful how you treat people. The woman who was the gatekeeper was a woman who was a different background than me, a different faith than me, a different sexual orientation uh, uh, pr preference. And she let all that be known in our meeting right there on Zoom. I didn't say anything different because I understand gatekeepers. I understand purpose, friends. I understand sometimes God will put you in a place where people can connect you and promote you and assist you, but you're too religious. 
You too religious. They don't speak in tongues. That, that devil came up on Zoom talking about what I was like, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. I turned my camera off because it was vexing my spirit. Oh, goodness. I kept my camera on and kept right on talking and said, yes, put my book over there so that more people can get my book. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Anything else I can do to help you? This should begin to ask me questions about faith. See, you don't know. You don't know while you judging somebody. And we begin to talk about, because she knew I was a Christian. I don't make any, you know, everybody know I'm a Christian. She said, tell me more about this faith thing. Tell me more about your Christ. Jewish woman, want to know about my Christ. I let her ask me because I did not offend her because I understand my position and I didn't shut my camera off and start talking about the devil was on my camera. You know, the devil be everywhere, especially as Pentecostals. He just, he just up and down and he in the, he in the movie theaters, the devil. Amen. God wants our community to expand. The unknown zone, number four, it builds commitment. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Man, he will make straight your path because he's sovereign. He's driving. He will make straight your path. How many times are you trying to make straight your path? How many times are you trying to figure it out? Come on. He's already worked it out, we would say in the old church. Why are you trying to figure it out? God's already, uh-huh, all the Baptist people in the house. He will work it out if you let him. He will work it out if you let him. Come on. Are you committed to God's pathway or are you committed to your way? Are you committed to God's pathway or are you committed to your pathway? I'm closing for real. Are you creating a pathway and asking God to co-sign on something that he did not design? Sometimes that's what we do in prayer. We created something and then in prayer, we go in like it's a negotiation table and we beg him to co-sign on what we have created as opposed to going into prayer and saying, Lord, have thine own way. Your will be done. I thought this was what I wanted. I thought this is what I heard you say. But if it's not, your will be done. You can pivot me. God has a plan for our life, saints. and He wants our participation. And sometimes we get in the way. We want all the answers first. But can we allow him to pivot us into purpose? You know, Abram was an ordinary man, had an ordinary conversation with God. And he turned out to be the father of our faith, right? Isn't that powerful? An ordinary man, an ordinary man. He turned out to be the father of our faith because he did what? He obeyed God and he allowed God to pivot him. God's looking for us to pivot. He's looking for us to connect with him. He wants to partner with us. He's so sovereign that he can do it with or without us, but he wants us to be a part of it. He wants us to be a part. He's given us the ability to say yes or no. And I would just encourage us on today to choose him. Choose his way. 
choose his plan because at the end of the day, if we are in his will, if we have surrendered our lives, he's going to do what he needs to do to get us to where we need to go sooner or later. So it's easier for us to just fold in as opposed to still fighting him. I want this. I want that. I want it to be like this. I want it to be like that. The prayer should be, Lord, let your will be done. If you're putting this before me, I trust you. If you say go, I'm going. I want to be like Abram. I want to be in the wind. I want to be in the wind. He said go in verse 1, in verse 4. It says in the Bible says, Abraham went. He said, to a place that I will show you. Meaning he didn't have all the answers. He didn't know where he was going to get the money from. He didn't know the connections. And many of us are sitting on the sideline because we're so afraid to go into the wind. But I promise you, child of God, I promise you when you go into the wind, I promise you, you will find God in the wind. You will find answers in the wind. You will find strategies in the wind. But as long as you stay in your comfort zone, as long as you stay on the side of safety and security and familiarity, as long as you stay over here where everybody knows your name, you will watch other people walk out their purpose. Walk out their destiny. You'll watch your life go by because you were too afraid to go into the wind. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.